0: Show your patriotism with a flag from the United States Flag Service. They offer premium, high-quality flags that are made in the USA. Whether it's the grand old flag, your favorite military flag, or a historical flag, celebrate your freedom with a flag from the United States Flag Service. Go to usflagservice.com. That's usflagservice.com to see their selection of available flags. And then call 1-800-USA-FLAG to purchase your flag today. USA Flag Service. Fly your flag for freedom.
1: Now, the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton.
2: Good morning and welcome. It's great to be here. Great to have you with us. And we are continuing the look into healthcare. And when you think about what we've been through, and we talked a lot about it last week, and I think it was pretty stunning revelations about some things, or perhaps it was a reminder of some things we knew had happened, but maybe we've forgotten. You know, we, we move on. We're We like to be optimists. We want to put the past in the past and move forward. And so we tend to maybe lose sight of the impact or the seriousness of something we endured in order to look forward to a brighter day. Right. The only problem is history repeats itself. And we have people who are continuing in a system to do things that are not good for us. And we've been at the effect of it. We've been subjected to something. We've had zero power and control. And oftentimes it was based on wrong information. I don't like misinformation, disinformation. It's jargony. And it loses the impact of the truth. And the truth is we were given wrong information and that wrong information was often deadly to the people who received it and i think what was shocking and you you really should go on last week and i want to give i want to give a disclaimer about last week's show what was said was truth from people who witnessed it firsthand and it condemned certain government agencies when I tried to look at the show and we, we tried to upload it, the it was not able to be uploaded as it was. So you're going to see some funky here, some funky edits in there, because apparently when we talk about certain alphabet agencies, they don't like it much. So believe it or not, we were censored. That's what happened. So um, we're trying to get it up on my Rumble page so that you can hear it in its entirety so just stand by that will be uh, figured out soon but the point is the truth uh, does not necessarily set us free (laughs) so uh, we're dealing with some some really rogue operatives who do not want you to know the truth now I'm telling it like it is here and that's what this show is about at the risk of whatever may come my way because we have the right to know and you have the right to know. And we have the right to have a public forum and a public square where we talk about these things, okay? So I, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I will have with me again, Dr. Jeff Barkey calling in from the West Coast. He is a practicing physician and he was on with us last week. And we have also with us this week, a uh, physician's assistant. She has her master's in, and her name is Sarah Green. And she has witnessed firsthand and has some real information to share with you. We'll be right back.
3: When was the last time you had freshly made ice cream or candy? Sweeties on the Creek offers a wide selection of fresh, creamy ice cream made with natural flavors. Stop in for a new fun flavor or a classic yummy favorite perched on a freshly made waffle cone. Just in, Sweeties has a huge assortment of candy, including freshly made in-store delicious chocolates. Your young ones will love all the plush toys and fun gifts, too. Sweeties on the Creek, just up for Market Street. We're scooping now.
1: Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com.
2: Welcome back. This is Jen, and we are going to have a fantastic show where we're gonna talk a little bit more about the healthcare reality today. And I really wanna take before the end of the show, I want us to get to a point where we're looking forward. How are we taking our health care back? that's really the point because we've been through whatever we've been through and there's nothing we can do about that we cannot change history as much as they try to do that it just ain't possible okay so welcome good morning Dr. Jeff Barkey it's great to have you back
1: Jen great to be with you thanks for having me on
2: yeah so that was a rock'em sock'em show last week and um, as I mentioned we had some some people who didn't like what we had to say so So I think today we're going to try and just use the three-letter alphabets in code. And so uh, (laughs) we'll get through this just fine. I wanted to start with um, give people an overview of how are you seeing medicine today? What do you think is the current position and how is that affecting our listeners, everyday people who just want to be healthy? and i know that you're doing some work that that's going to help people live a, a healthier life so we'll talk about that in the last half of the show but i, I kind of want a current reality what's the current picture in healthcare today
1: you know jen i think i would liken healthcare very similar to education k through 12 education in that there's been an awakening across the country with what's gone on in our education system, in particular during COVID, when our schools were locked down and parents actually got to see uh, via Zoom and other media, what was actually going on in the classroom. And many parents were horrified. And as a result, the homeschool movement is growing. Um, People are withdrawing their kids from traditional, I I like to call it government education, because that's what it is and what it should be called. And they are either homeschooling their kids, looking for charter schools or private schools that share their values. The same is occurring in medicine. During COVID, uh, we treated patients so poorly. It's the first time in my career that hospitals told sick people to stay away, that doctor's offices told sick people not to come to the office. We've never done that before. Uh, And we told healthy people not to go out in public and to lock down in their homes. We've never done that. And so as a result of that, I think there is a growing rightful mistrust of the healthcare care system all the way from the top, the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, National Institutes of Health, and the leaders that run those organizations all the way down to the rank and file primary care doctors that, dissed, that disrespected their patients during COVID by telling them to stay away by refusing to use some of the repurposed medications that we knew were effective in favor of medications that did not only no good but arguably harm them, and that's the hospital-based remdesivir, for example, that today continues to be used in many hospital settings despite the lack of evidence of efficacy and despite the actual evidence of harm. So that's what we're seeing, and as a result, my practice in Southern California uh, has exploded Meaning that I've got so many patients that want to join my practice and want to have like minded physicians. I have patients from all over the country that reach out to me to ask, Do you know a doctor like you in New Jersey, in Florida, in Texas, anywhere in the country? How do I find somebody that's similarly uh, situated as you are? And it's hard to do, and I give them some ideas and we can talk about that. But that's what I see going on in healthcare is a re- reawakening. Uh, a, a reconfiguration, and I think that's important, and e- even not just primary care. I have patients that say, you know, I, I need to go get a colonoscopy. Do you know a gastroenterologist that thinks the way you do that isn't going to push a vaccine on me, et cetera? And these folks are hard to find, but more and more I'm able to identify, at least in my area, folks that are freedom-loving Uh, respecting doctors that respect the autonomy of a patient that understand what informed consent is all about uh, and and are willing to treat patients with respect
2: excellent well we've talked quite a bit about informed consent but would you remind people in a nutshell what that means
1: informed consent is a principle and a rule in medicine it's the it's the backbone of medicine if you come into my office for example and let's say you have a skin lesion on your arm, and I think we ought to remove it because it looks funny. I am required to tell you the following. What are the risks of the office procedure that I'm about to do? What are the benefits? What are the potential side effects, long-term complications, and what are the alternatives if we don't actually take that lesion off your arm? The same is true with all aspects of medicine. If you go in and you want to have surgery, elective or otherwise. The surgeon is required to tell you what are the risks, what are the benefits, what are the alternatives, etc., and with medication as well. If I'm going to put you on an antibiotic or some medicine for for blood pressure or diabetes, I need to inform you informed consent. That's true also of vaccinations, childhood vaccinations, adult vaccinations, and of course. The covid vaccine and there is no informed consent going on, unfortunately, even if you go to the pharmacy and pharmacies now are giving out vaccines, you go to the pharmacy and get a vaccine. The pharmacist is supposed to sit down with you, have you sign a piece of paper that informed consent was appropriately given. The FDA just a few weeks ago, Jen, passed a rule, a rule. Nobody voted on it. No elected officials participated, but a rule that says if the FDA deems a study, drug study, device study, et cetera, uh, poses minimal risk to the the participants, then they're waiving standard informed consent rules. That's just the first step. So the next step is going to be if they think, for example, they've decided, they being the FDA, has decided, for example, that they think the COVID vaccine is of minimal human risk, then when you check into the hospital for your colonoscopy, for your voluntary procedure, you have a hernia repair, you get in a car crash, and you get taken to the hospital, you may very well get a vaccine that the FDA believes is of minimal human risk, uh, and informed consent is being waived. I mean, we already see that happening, and now the FDA is just putting their stamp of approval in the form of a rule. The problem with the FDA and, and these other agencies is they are not overseen by our, the people's representatives, elective representatives. They are overseen by government bureaucrats that work for the administrative state that have no accountability from those that are elected, and we need to change that. We need to defund these organizations so the monies that they use only come from taxpayers, not from industry, pharma companies, and others. And we need to make them accountable to the people, to those that we elect that should be overseeing them, not representatives from the administrative state. I think that would be a a step in the right direction. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. There's only one candidate that I know of and I don't agree with a lot of his politics but I agree with this position that he's taking that I just articulated and that's Bobby Kennedy Jr.
2: Okay so violations of oath what I what I hear is this absolutely surpasses and bypasses your oath to do no harm to set aside informed consent
1: Exactly exactly right and um I have, an, I have an oath, you know, the so-called Hippocratic Oath, that there was some formality when I graduated medical school that, you know, we kind of raise our right hand and take this oath to first do no harm. It's It's more complicated than that. But that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to look through the lens of what is best for our patient, not as what is best for me, not what is best for the financial incentives that I have from some pharmaceutical company, but what is best for patients. And always best for patients is informing them of what it is that my knowledge experience and so forth has in what i think is uh, a treatment plan for them regardless of what it is i i have an obligation to say this is what i believe these are the possible downsides of this treatment plan uh, and these are the alternatives that you have and rarely rarely do we see that
2: okay so i i think that it really incredibly valuable because ripping away informed consent really uh, justifies something. It Again, you know, what I'm seeing across the board, and it's not just in medical, but there's a theme here of getting us to just do what they tell us. Just be compliant. Yes. Be stupid. Be ignorant. Be mute. Be dumb. Take the vax. You know, yes. don't question authority and let them just do to us what they will. The problem with that is, and I'm, I'm doing some research right now, and we're gonna cover this as we go forward. Let's look at this MRNA thing. Yeah. This is so high tech, nefarious, but high tech that we don't understand it. There's a lot not known. They're starting to infuse it in food because many of us said, oh, hell no, you're not putting that in me. So now it's going to be in our, It's they're putting it in pork, beef. Right. Okay. Yeah. They're going to get that stuff in us one way or the other. And they can't yeah. sit us down in a chair and make us drink the vial, whatever. So, because that would be, you know, inhumane. So they'll figure out some nefarious way to get it in us. And, uh, you know, I think that's something we really need to look at because our food supply is another way that they're they're going to be taking control. And it is tied to our health. So we have to look at those. Yeah. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it it is. And I I know some people that are listening may be rolling their eyes right now going, oh, come on, you guys are like total conspiracy theory people. But messenger RNA, we should we should I'll briefly tell you what that is. I'm not opposed to technology, and I think it has the potential uh, to be beneficial. But here's the problem. Messenger RNA is a thing. It's a natural part of the way in which the cells of our body work, the nucleus of our cell that contains our DNA material, um, uses messenger RNA, which is basically an instruction manual, to the protein manufacturing parts of the cell called the ribosomes, like sixth grade grade science. And so the messenger RNA from the the nucleus of the cell is an instruction manual to the protein manufacturing machinery that tells that how to make a particular protein. It's like an IKEA uh, manual that you, you go to IKEA and you buy something. You have this long instruction manual, and it takes forever to put something together. So this instruction manual tells the ribosomes to produce a particular protein. That's how our body naturally functions. Now, of course, the proteins that are produced are human proteins that go on and do a whole array of things that are important in our body. But for the first time ever, we took a messenger RNA, in this case vaccine, and we instructed the human protein manufacturing system to produce a non-human protein. Now, listen to that again. We've instructed the cells of our body to produce a non-human protein. We've never done this before. What could possibly go wrong? So think of the movie, the Jeff Goldblum movie, The Fly, where he goes through this (laughs) contraption, this transporter, and there's a fly in there, and he gets this little tiny piece of fly DNA in his body, And over the preceding days or weeks or whatever it is, he slowly turns into a fly. Now, that's not actually what's happening here. But what what we had asked ourselves to do is to produce this protein called the spike protein. We've all seen the 3D animated picture of the coronavirus. And it's like this little ball and these little spiky things on it. It's the spiky things that we're asking our body to produce. And the idea is, and on paper it kind of makes sense, Produces spike protein, our body's immune system will see it, will produce antibodies against it. And then the next time, if we actually get infected by the COVID virus, we've got these spike protein antibodies at the ready to attack the virus. The problem is a couple fold. Number one, we're not really sure how that machinery gets turned off. And so there's some evidence that this messenger RNA stuff hangs around in our body for a lot longer than the so-called experts thought. The other problem is the spike protein component of the COVID virus is the part of the virus that's most susceptible to mutation. And so the virus that was there a few years ago is no longer the same virus that's there now. It's got a different spike protein makeup. So those antibodies that are created by the vaccine against the spike protein no longer recognize the COVID virus And so they're just floating around in our body. The spike protein is floating around in our body, causing all kinds of problems. It's highly inflammatory. This is what we think is the source of why people have blood clots and heart inflammation and heart attacks and the die suddenly issues. We think it's because the spike protein is so inflammatory that it causes all kinds of problems in our body. And then we have the whole issue of our blood supply. Nobody's screening for this. So you have people that have been vaccinated that have this spike protein and spike protein antibodies. They donate blood. That blood is then given to people that need it. And there is some evidence that that could also be a problem. Now, you know, I'm an, I'm an MD and, I, and I've been practicing forever was very active during COVID treated thousands of patients across the country. I still do. There's still people coming down from with COVID. There's still people that are struggling to find people that know how to treat this with some of the repurposed medication. But, you know, I'm a rookie compared to your other guest. And that other guest is a friend of mine who I met at a freedom health freedom conference that I was presenting at outside of San Antonio, Texas. And she is a physician assistant who also was incredibly active, probably treated 10 times more patients than I did uh, for COVID throughout the country, continues to, to do so and is part of this health freedom movement uh, in trying to help patients to figure out which way is up. And that, of course, is uh, physician assistant uh, Sarah Green, who lives up in central California.
2: All right, great setup for Sarah. Good morning, Sarah, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for availing yourself this morning. We just have a couple of minutes before we go to a break, and then when we come back, I want you to share a little bit more. Tell us in a nutshell what you witnessed while you were dealing with COVID. Give us kind of a snapshot.
3: Sure, sure. And thank you for having me. Thank you, Dr. Barkey. Um, So I actually was working at an urgent care when this virus broke out. Um, So I kind of saw, you know, we were seeing about 120 patients a day prior to this and then, um, you know, told this is a very deadly virus. And I think everybody at first was a little bit nervous about it. And our clinic started, you know, patients were not coming in anymore maybe we were seeing 10 a day and we thought, well, gosh, if this is, if this is so deadly, how come our clinic is closed? The hospitals were empty. Although the news would say that they were full, um, the ER was, you know, it was almost deserted. Um, so I I saw what the news would say and then actually witnessed firsthand, at least in my community, how, how different it was than what the public was seeing. Um, and then we started finally seeing our first COVID patients and, you know, they, they presented most of them almost like a flu, you know, a cold. Um, and we would test them and then I would let them know they were positive. Um, and they, you know, f- were very nervous about that positive diagnosis because of what they had heard. But really I said, look, you're doing, you're doing pretty good. Um, so you just have a couple more days of isolation and you're, you're good to go back out. Um, So when I started seeing it and just realized that, gosh, this really isn't what the media is cracking it up to be, um, I started questioning even more. And, you know, I think everybody kind of heard about hydroxychloroquine, and so that was a big no. And I knew that at my particular clinic, hydroxychloroquine, if I prescribed it, I would have been let go. Um, And I, I too, I refused the vaccine, um, refused the flu and COVID vaccine. And um, shortly after, ended up catching COVID, and was prescribed ivermectin. Um, and within hours, you know, I didn't know what that drug was. We don't really use that in the states all that often. Um, within a couple of hours, felt much better. So when I went back to the clinic, um, all my positive COVID patients, who actually most of them were now recently vaccinated, um, so I started seeing. Uh, probably 70 to 80% of my positive COVID patients had recently gotten the vaccine, which was really interesting. Cause I asked everybody um, nobody else in my clinic would actually ask that question. They all just would get mad if you did not get the vaccine. But I, that was one of the first questions I started asking. Um, and I would prescribe ivermectin for them and the pharmacies were actually filling it at the time because it hadn't been out there in the public. And so it was quite easy to get, you know, early 2021, uh, and they all did much better. And so let's so, take a break um, right
2: there, Sarah. That's a good place to sure. pause. And I think what what we have to remember is that the the as, as Jeff has said too, you know the the major drugstores were not allowing the doctors to get their prescriptions to their patients for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. We had to find other sources and workarounds. But you've also pointed to that the vaccine, the vaccinated patients were the ones who were showing up sick. And, you know, so it didn't work. They were lied to. They were told they wouldn't get it. And then they were told, you know, and, and, and President Biden was part of that lie. He was part of generating the misinformation and the lies and deceit. And unfortunately, people who paid attention to that and trusted in them, many of them many of them died so we're gonna take a quick break you're listening to the Jen Charlton show I have Dr. Jeff Barkey calling in from California and also Sarah Green who is a practitioner in California as well and we'll be right back
0: show your patriotism with a flag from the United States Flag Service they offer premium high-quality flags that are made in the USA whether it's the grand old flag your favorite military flag, or a historical flag. Celebrate your freedom with the flag from the United States Flag Service. Go to usflagservice.com. That's usflagservice.com to see their selection of available flags. And then call 1-800-USA-FLAG to purchase your flag today. USA Flag Service, fly your flag for freedom.
2: The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Welcome back. This is Jen, and I have with me today Dr. Jeff Barkey and Sarah Green, who is a physician's assistant with a master's and quite knowledgeable in what happened. I want to just point to something before we go in to to the rest of what we were talking about. The news covered Larry Hogan is running for U.S. Senate. Now, let's not forget that Larry Hogan, at the time governor Put us through h e w l shut down the state, lock down businesses and coerce people to take the vaccine with a four hundred thousand dollar or something lottery and was promoting getting these shots to these kits without understanding informed consent and without understanding the the uh, side effects and the mortality rate of some of these things and uh he was totally irresponsible and he's now running for our u.s senate i don't think so okay welcome back all right sarah green um tell us a little bit more about what you now are seeing with regard since you've been through what you've been through and a lot of us have heard some of these these stories uh you know we did quote um Nurse Erin last week, and they talked about some of the things they'd seen in the ER and uh, the, I'm going to call it malpractice. Uh, Jeff, would you agree with that, malpractice?
1: Yeah, I don't know that that's the most accurate word to use, but basically, uh, yes, ab- absolutely. I would agree. I'm, I'm not sure what Sarah's, Sarah's perspective would be.
2: Sarah, when you were treating these folks, did you see incidences where hospitalists or institutions had practices that were in most people's, you know, medical careers would never be considered okay.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was a huge front that, you know, whether these people believed it or whether they were being paid, but, you know, it was this fear of the unvaccinated to the point that it was, um, you know, if someone was admitted to the hospital unvaccinated, um, they were basically nurses were told to let them succumb to COVID. We weren't; they weren't going to treat the unvaccinated. Only the vaccinated would get the treatments. Um, so there was this huge front by physicians. You know, I know locally for sure, and I'm sure that it's happening happening where I live. but it was probably nationwide and globally. Um, that the uh, if you chose to be unvaccinated and now you're admitted to the hospital for covid it's kind of like well you're on your own it's your fault okay Um, let me ask
2: you about that that let's let's dig into that so back to something you said jeff the fda cdc nih there's this conglomeration of these institutions that were driving policy so would you say jeff that 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 Practice of pushing off people who were unvaccinated, um, and I'm hearing some background noise from somebody in there. The um, that we're pushing off, caring for these people equally. You know, where where was that coming from? Somebody said, "Hey, if they're you know unvaccinated, don't don't bother with them." That mandate came from somewhere. Any thoughts?
1: Well, I don't know that it was a mandate. I think it was a contagion of fear. Uh, that started at top with the CDC and the FDA um, because these agencies are captured. And what I mean by captured, I mean that the FDA and the CDC gets about 50 percent of their funding from the industries that they oversee. So imagine if the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, was funded by ExxonMobil. Um, we wouldn't take what they said. They the the e- the um, Environmental Protection Agency, we wouldn't take their directives seriously because they were being propagandized by those that pay their bill. And in this case, it would be the oil industry. Well, that's exactly what's happening with our health care agencies. The FDA, the CDC, the National Institutes of Health, they're funded. A majority of their funding comes from, the in, from industry. And then when you go down the road and look at the studies, the various drug studies. Almost every drug study in the United States is funded by the pharma industry. The doctors that conduct the drug studies are consultants from pharma. So they're getting paid by the pharmaceutical company to conduct these studies. The people then that write up the results of the study are pharma executives. And then those that publish the studies, the various journals, New England Journal, Journal of the American Medical Association, Lancet out of Great Britain, are also funded by pharma. The majority of the funding of these organizations come from advertisements from pharma. So when you look at a study, ultimately, and it's written up in the New England Journal of Medicine, and it looks all fancy, you have to remember that this study is completely biased, and you have to take it with a grain of salt. The same thing, by the way, you sit and watch a football game, and you see an advertisement for Ozempic, or one of the other drugs. You know, there's a Tucker interview recently with somebody who used to be an executive, and he said, you know, you think that they're advertising to influence the consumer to take their product. Actually, they're advertising to influence the network to not do due diligence and expose the fraud of the company. Because if I'm paying CNN to run these ads and a lot of their funding is coming from me, their reporters and executives and people that are supposed to be digging at the truth are going to look the other way because I'm paying for their salary and that's happening, not just with CNN, but also our conservative networks as well.
2: Absolutely. There's supposed to be a firewall between sales and the journalism or news or product program side. And, you know, it's just naive to think that that one doesn't push the other. I, um, I I, I agree with you completely. But I think what we're looking at, guys, is this rises to, for me, crimes against humanity, discrimination. I mean, these are, these are, are um, serious allegations that have occurred in this healthcare system. How do we move past this? How do we take back our healthcare system? You said defund these agencies. For sure, we need to do that. Thoughts about that?
1: Uh, I agree. So that's what we need to do. We need to get back to the basics. These healthcare care agencies are supposed to work for the American people. They're supposed to have our back. The Food and Drug Administration is supposed to be evaluating new drugs that come on the market uh, under the lens of what's best for the public. And when you're funded by the agencies that want to bring these drugs to the market, uh, there is a natural built-in bias And so we need to defund all these agencies and get back to have them funded only directly by taxpayer dollars. And then I think equally important, we have to have elected officials, people that we elect and put into office that are directly overseeing these agencies, not administrative state that really have no accountability, can never be fired uh, and have their own biases as well.
2: Okay, Sarah. Any thoughts about what we do going forward? I mean, what are you doing as a physician assistant providing care to your patients? How do you guide them through the onslaught of deception so that they can make good health care choices for themselves and their family?
3: Yeah, I, I, I think the biggest thing is try to be as healthy as you can, you know, make sure that you've got good nutrition, you're exercising, uh, you're getting good sunshine. So a lot of my patients, I, I let them know, I mean, their their health is in their hands. And so the, the more that they can uh, get off prescription medications and, and take care of themselves, then the less likely um, this virus will affect them. So we've seen, you know, people who are overweight, um, people with low vitamin D, people who are sedentary, they got hit much harder than those who were active. And so taking that you know, taking that next step to try to, you know, I tell them, you know, the best thing you can do is avoid, (laughs) if you can't avoid doctors, you know, avoid um, having to be seen because that you end up falling, falling in the wrong hands, you know, they're going to push all kinds of vaccines on you. Um, So going forward, I think really your, your health is everything Um, and investing in your health and making sure that you are at the, top of that peak regardless of age so that you can get through whatever whatever is the next go around
2: okay let me ask a couple quick kind of rapid fire questions because we're already almost to the top of the show so I want i want to ask are the are vaccines now that they're asking people to take shingles flu vaccines uh, pneumonia vaccines some of these different things are they beneficial or are they um I guess what I want to ask is, are they combining any of them? Because I've heard there are some combined vaccines where they're including COVID. So you kind of have to know what you're getting.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know, Jen, yeah. that COVID is being combined with anything yet. There's talk about, you know, combining COVID with an annual flu shot in the same syringe and so forth. And I'm sure that's going to happen. I don't ever want to tell somebody to get or not get a particular vaccine. What I want to do is just give them informed consent. And one of the best ways to do that is simply read the package insert uh, that is required to come with every vaccine. Although, interestingly, required to come. I recently bought a package of COVID vaccines. The spike made by Moderna indicated for ages 12 and up. And I, I bought it, sealed package, opened it up. There's the ten pre filled syringes and a big, thick, watered up package insert. And I opened up the package insert and written right on the package insert, it says intentionally left blank, and it's a giant piece of paper front and back that is uh, that is blank. There's nothing written on it. And how are they allowed? Hold on.
2: How are they allowed to do business that way? Isn't that a violation? I don't know. Shouldn't they get fined? I, don't know. I mean,
1: I don't know, Jen. I tried to figure it out. I tried to do some research, and it was either they don't need to have a package insert because it's being used under emergency use authorization. But if that were the case, you would think it would be displayed there. They would say, you know, package insert intentionally left blank because it's being used under emergency use authorization. Or the other was, well, it's so complicated, we want people to go online and read about it, Which at which point you would think it would say something like that, and there would be a QR code. With a link to whatever the site is where the package insert actually exists, well, but and, it doesn't. Yeah, There's and no here's the thing: we,
2: we know that that's a deterrent. People don't click. So, you know, if you've got to click, 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 click to get to something, you, that you lose people. They they drop out. They're not going to continue the process. So that's one thing. Second thing is, I want to go back to something about um, about this idea of where was I on the Pfizer and the making of money they made gazillions of dollars doing this yeah they're they're in cahoots with government agencies government agencies are in cahoots with them we know that fauci has his name on several of these patents so he's personally benefited we talked about that last week but how do you create the firewall between the pfizers of the world who who really just care about money they don't care about You know, we're just a statistic to them.
1: Really. So the way you do the way you do that is you cannot allow the Pfizer's of the world to advertise on television and in the public airways. We and um, New Zealand are the only countries that allow direct to consumer advertising by pharma. You have to not allow the Pfizer's of the world to fund the agencies that oversee them, the FDA and the CDC. If you did just that, I think it would go a long way to creating a barrier where patients can make an informed decision without the marketing power of these pharmaceutical industries.
2: Well, I sure hope, Jeff, that you'll end up on Capitol Hill uh, testifying on these types of things so that we can get away from the coercive uh, medical industry uh, money-making machine that puts puts patients' rights and interests last. Um, Sarah, what are your thoughts for people in terms of um, health care, but not just COVID, but like you, you talked about being, being well. What do, you, what do you recommend for people who are dealing with chronic illnesses and things like that? You know, some of these are never going away. They just have to learn to live with them powerfully.
3: Right. Uh, you know, the the first thing I try to get them to do is change their diet. Um, you know, sugar is a, a huge inflammatory uh, food, and people eat so much processed food. It's quick. It's convenient. America is the sickest country out there, and it's just because of what we allow. You know, a lot of genetically modified, a lot of food that's sprayed with glyphosate prior to harvesting. So trying to teach them really how to... Choose wisely in what they put in their bodies, and a lot of time that alone will lower the inflammation, and they'll feel better, and their body will start to function like it's supposed to function. So, use food as your energy source, and make sure that you're getting you know organic, um, grass-fed, um, free-range, you know, no vaccines, um, no antibiotic meat try to make sure that you're getting wild fish instead of farm-raised. So all of those things you can, you can do, and it's at your own, you know, it's in your, in your court. So a lot of my patients have changed the way that they eat, exercise. Um, they, want to, they want to get off prescription medication, so finding different um, supplements and herbs that they can take so that we can wean off of prescription medication, I mean, that's kind of what my focus is at my practice and i've been able to get a lot of patients off of a lot of medication they've been on for years and years and years and it's liberating for them so well let I me let me ask you
2: this how do people follow you do you do telehealth
3: i do i do telehealth in, in california um i've got an instagram page holistic sarah with an hpa um and then i've got an my my office is up in napomo california which is just about 20 minutes south of san luis obispo
2: okay very good so say your your site again holistic holistic sarah pa and it's sarah with an h okay perfect all right everybody follow sarah and you can work listen it's a work in progress we have to shift our we know this right we know it intellectually it's harder to do which is shift our habits Uh, make time to eat healthier because sometimes it takes more time to prepare a meal than to run through the drive-through, right? So uh, great advice from Sarah. Jeff, let's talk about shifting the medical profession. How do we shift the minds and hearts of the hospitalists, the CEOs, how do we get them to alter the way they do business so that they let go of this bureaucratic nonsense.
1: Well, in part, uh, Jen, they're being forced to do that. And um, you know, your listeners can also find me online: RX for Liberty, RX for F O R Liberty. Uh, there are laws that allow Sarah and I to do telehealth in all fifty states for COVID. So, unless you're licensed in a state, you can't practice medicine for general medicine, but as it relates to COVID, because of uh, the emergency that occurred, we can actually provide COVID care in all 50 states. So I do telehealth. Sarah does telehealth. The CEOs and bureaucrats in the healthcare profession are being forced to change because their customers are going elsewhere and the customers are demanding it. So they want to make money. They want their paycheck. And if customers are refusing to come into a hospital or a medical institution and instead are choosing alternative providers and care, then they're going to wake up and I hope be responsive to those market forces. I think that's the only way as we try to create a parallel healthcare system, which is what Sarah and I are doing and others are as well. Simone Gold, I think you've had on is creating this organization called Gold Care which is a nationwide telehealth parallel medical system. Her dream also is to create some brick-and-mortar hospitals and medical clinics throughout the country as well that give patients alternatives to what currently exists.
2: Excellent. So you mentioned the emergency use authorization. It's shocking to me that that's still a thing. How do we get out from underneath the clause and the oppression of this EUA?
1: I think you just need to keep asking questions, EUA or not. When you go to the doctor, you need to ask a lot of questions and bring an advocate with you maybe that understands what's going on so you're getting informed consent, um, so you're not being told to do something when you don't want to do it and not being educated about how to do it. And then ultimately find a like-minded physician. Real briefly, I know a lot of people have the question, well, how do I find somebody like you in my local area? Here's a trick. Call your local compounding pharmacy. Google this, compounding pharmacy near me. Call them up and ask them if they dispense routinely ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine for the treatment of COVID. If the answer is yes, then ask the pharmacist, could they give you the phone numbers or the contact information for the providers, doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs that are actually writing prescriptions for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? then you can go interview those folks chances are that they believe what you believe if they're willing to use uh, off-label medications that work to treat these illnesses then perhaps they are more like-minded than the doctors you're actually going to
2: great great advice thank you i you know i i hope that we use our public influence and you've mentioned it the power of the purse the consumer still has the power of the purse and I'll I'll tell you a quick story. My dad was at the time 92 and had COVID. We went into a local overnight, you know, urgent care. And, of course, their response was, oh, my gosh, you're positive. You need to go directly to the emergency room. <laughs> and he and I looked at each other and our eyes, bop, you know, bulged out of our head. And we said, oh, no, there is no way in H-E-L-L. We're headed to the hospital. And we went home. He took two days' worth of ivermectin, and did the you know supplement protocols and so forth, and he's alive today. But had we have taken him, and of course he was unvaccinated, so back to the earlier point: well, unvaccinated gets treated differently; they are discriminated against, unvaccinated. So you were you were really um, subject to their whim. And uh, you couldn't trust them. So, you know, it's unfortunate that we've gotten to the point where we don't trust our hospitals. This is tragedy. This really is because there are going to be times when we need a hospital, unfortunately. We need to know that we can trust them to do what we want, not what big pharma says must be, because they want to put more millions in their pockets. And there were a lot of a lot of millionaires made billionaires, I think, out of this covid pharmaceutical um, money making scheme. And that's what it was. And for them to continue to push Remdesivir, Jeff, is shocking, isn't it? So listen, everybody, you've been listening to the Jen Charlton show. I'd like to thank Dr. Jeff Barkey calling in from the West Coast and Sarah Green, a physician's assistant, who's these are both people who are boots on the ground, getting the work done, making sure that people have, you know, access to care that they want, not that they're told to have by some bureaucrat or corporate mogul who's, uh, you know looking out at their their pockets the last thing i want to say is beware that the who is looking at how to get their hands and fingers into our healthcare system. And that is globalists coming into our medical profession and our medical system and our medical offices telling them how to operate. It just isn't right. Everybody have a great week. We'll have you right here next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for the Jen Charlton Show on WFMD.